0: One game decides the NBA championship. Miami trying to become the fifth team to repeat as NBA champion San Antonio looking for its fifth title ah. in franchise history. Before you jump in the game, let's get one thing understood. If you're seven
1: and ice cream, you got to make sure. 13 finals. Spurs heat. Yeah. Way worse finals for me. Way worse finals for you. Let's say you're there in the locker room before game seven. If music had the power to change the outcome of history, what song would you play that could get the Spurs to get
0: charged up and win game seven? i'm gonna stay on theme i'm gonna stay with the with the no limit crew okay and i'm gonna go with C murder okay fuck the mother because mm, i'm down for my you play that song you're blowing them out if pop would have played that one two three two it's <laughs> <certain>. Somebody <laughs> needs to introduce Pop to see murder.
1: and <laughs> if <laughs> The third
0: time in seven seasons, the San Antonio Spurs are the NBA champions.
1: What's up, world? My name is Samanesh Ashrawi, and you're listening to The Nostalgia Mixtape, a podcast where we tell the stories of memories that are connected to music. And on today's episode, we have two-time New York Times best-selling author, Shay Serrano. I feel like you have to introduce people that way when they've become a New York Times best-selling author, two times over. When you're in line at the DMV or when you're at the doctor, they have to... refer to you that way. It's like being knighted but without a sword. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, I was 20 years old and I was in college at the University of Texas at Austin working for the university's TV station. I had befriended Paul Wall's publicist Nancy Byron and she invited me to an event for the release of Paul's album Heart of a Champion. So I drove from Austin to Houston which was pretty normal for me to do, even on a school night. I would drive all across Texas. It was an exciting time. I had finally found something that I was passionate about, though I didn't know yet at the time that this was gonna be part of my career. I just thought it was like a fun thing that I did. So I showed up to the event and Nancy introduced me to Shay, who at the time was writing for the Houston Press, which was kind of like Houston's cool alt-weekly publication. And we hit it off, cracked some jokes, and Shay gave me a shout out in the article he wrote about the event. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I'd never gotten shouted out in an article before. It was especially impactful to me because I wasn't an exceptionally cool kid in high school, and I hadn't ever really found something then that I felt like I belonged to. What Shay did for me while I was in college was help me feel like I belonged somewhere, which was being a member of the press covering these events. And we would see each other at Stuff All the Time, mainly around Houston. And every once in a while, Shay would give me a little shout-out in one of his articles. It made me feel so cool. And I tweeted a lot at the time, which is ironic because now Shay tweets way more than me. And Shay used to tease me for it, but I felt like that was a good thing. It kind of gave me bit of a thicker skin so to speak. Anyway, Shay has since then been there for me giving me advice at different steps of my career, especially times when I've been at like major major low points. Shay has been someone who's opened his door to me and that's
0: really really meant a lot.
1: But you know what? I think we should let Shay introduce himself.
0: What's up? I'm Shay. I'm a writer. And some good news is we just built a house. It's wow. a, it's beautiful. Wow. And I'm excited to live in it. That's really cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna go look at it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you can come look at it. I'm not gonna let you inside, but you can look at it from the outside. I'll just walk by. Yeah. Alright. <laughs> okay, great.
1: So um and what song do you want to talk about today?
0: Mr. Ice Cream Man by Master Wow. I've definitely have heard that song
1: Mr. Ice Cream Man, oh, call me Master P, I got it two-for-three, call me if you need some deep. Me and my little brother, Silk, we be ballin', got this thing sold up from
0: Texas to New Orleans. And cross the West Coast with booze, get wicked, I'm in the game, big trying to score a meal ticket. Mr. Ice Cream Man came out in 1996, so that means I was 15 years old. Okay. When it came out. Mr. Ice Cream Man is not one of my favorite rap songs. It's an okay. Like, it's a good song. It's a pretty good song, especially for that era of rap. Yeah. But it's more important than it is good. That was a song. By that point, Master P had already been out there for a while. He had put out, I want to say, four albums before the album Mr. Ice Cream Man is on. It's called Ice Cream Man. That came out, I think it was his fifth album in 94 or 96 or something like that but point is he had already put out tapes he had those ones that he had one or two with a a group that he was in called true before Mm -hmm. then that he was putting out at the same time he had at least five albums maybe six under his belt by then but he was still doing the like i'm only famous in the city type thing and then this song came out and it was the one that really got him outside of the city and made him like regionally famous and then after that is when make up say came and that was in 97, 98, and that's when he became nationally famous. But this was the song that put him on that track. Right. So he wasn't the mogul Master P yet. He Not was yet. still okay. he, was, he was angling toward it, and that was the song that really sent him on the way. So it was more important than it was good. And I think the same thing can be said for Master P as a rapper as well. He was never really a great rapper, right. but he's a very important rapper. He's right. like one of the southern rap demigods, basically. That's his, that's his role in it. But that song came out in 96. I was 15 years old at the time. And that means I was going into 10th grade. Mm-hmm. And that means I was a, I was a, just a worthless little kid. I didn't know anything. I didn't do anything. Uh, I was just sort of running in the streets. That's what I was doing. <laughs> I said running in the streets. I don't mean like I was doing bad shit. I just mean like I was hanging out. With my friends riding bicycles to the park, this sort of yeah. thing. Like, what were your hobbies? Like, what kind of stuff were you into? At I mean, 15, I was basketball? just. Yeah, I was playing basketball all the time. I was playing video games all the time. And really, that was it. I mean, there was not a lot else to do when you're 15 in San Antonio. Mm. We're on the south side, so. You know, there was a different parks or whatever you could move around to. or this a place called Miller's Pond that we would go to all the time. That was a bike ride away. But yeah, I was just sort of existing in this area. Again, it wasn't that great. And there was like a fair amount of crime there. But my parents were super protective. And like, they did a good job of shielding me from all of this stuff. I didn't know half of the things that were going on that the family was going through until I got older. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought when we were moving, it was whatever. We were going to a better house or a different house. But... I, like, you grow up and you find, like, oh, we were getting foreclosed on in all these places. Oh, wow. Like, crazy shit like that. And there's like, all of this actual serious crime going on around us. And I didn't know until I moved away from it. And then they were telling me. You know, I realized, oh, well, that's why my friends didn't go to college or that's why this guy's in jail or prison or whatever. But it was I was oblivious to all of it. All I was trying to do was fucking play NBA Jam and, <laughs> and, and shoot a couple threes
1: you if we could go back and bike through that neighborhood together what did your neighborhood look like
0: and what did Indian Creek look like my neighborhood was um, it was like a hilly area but I believe it was a, a hilled area because it was built on an old dump you know how they when they put the trash in it eventually goes up like they build a neighborhood on that and uh, it was adjacent to Lackland Air Force Base Uh, if you go there now there's a there's an air force base and there's like all of these new homes that that have been built there for the base Mm -hmm. but at the time it was just like woods and we lived on the end of the block and it was like its own little ecosystem there was a bordering highway 410 on one side and then you had this one road called medina road and then then the other one was old Pearsall, that basically made a big rectangle and my parents were like, "Just stay in here. Don't go outside of these roads, and you can do whatever you want, sort of thing." Mm-hmm. And so, that's really what it, what it was. The houses were, you know, small houses, two bedroom houses, maybe forty or fifty thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Everybody, mostly everybody there, was was on some sort of government assistance. I read some stats recently about the neighborhood. Actually, and it was like. of the people there were on government assistance, be it like welfare or or Section 8 housing or whatever. 49% of the kids or 50% of the kids don't graduate from high school there. It was like a a shitty place, Mm -hmm. but you didn't realize it at the time because, again, my... That was your world. Yeah, that was... Everybody who was there was living the same life, so it didn't feel like you were more poor or less poor Mm -hmm. than anybody else. When until you, you get out of it and you go like, Oh shit, that's not how you're supposed to be alive in the world. Right. Like that's crazy.
1: Yeah. And so when you biked bike to Indian Creek would things change? Like Yeah, it was
0: way worse. So it, how
1: did it change as you
0: biked? It it felt it just felt more dangerous to me is what it was. There was definitely more gang activity in the area. That was like a very hot gang land type situation there was it was a it was a neighborhood called Indian Creek and Sky Harbor and they were right next to each other and Mm -hmm. it was like they were having a competition to to see which one could be the worst of the neighborhoods so if you would go over there you would see a lot more like gang activity like just guys walking around and you look at them and go like oh you guys are definitely a bad thing Um, so there was that sort of stuff going on there was more violent crime Mm -hmm. in that area and then the houses were just like 20% shittier and that's really what it was. And the high school that I went to, like you lived in our neighborhood, you lived in one of those two neighborhoods, or you lived in an like for us it was the nice neighborhood on the other side called oh, what the hell is it called? I don't even remember what it's called. Yeah. But it was like the nice neighborhood where that's where your the parents were like, Oh, you're definitely middle class type of situation. But in our little rectangle it was it was Valley High and then Indian Creek and Sky Harbor and You just tried to not be over there at nighttime. I did anyway. It might have been totally normal. Like, maybe if you're not a coward, you could go over there just fine. But me, I was like, no, thank you. I'm not interested. Yeah, the first, when I first moved to Los Angeles,
1: a friend of mine who was born and raised there was like, yeah, you might not want to wear your Astros cap because the blue and orange is like the color of a certain like set of the Crips. Mm Mm-hmm. And specifically, like, with the Astros cap, that's what they wear. And I was like, that's good. I don't think anyone's going to confuse me for someone, <laughs> yeah. but that was good advice. Yeah, yeah, That yeah. was when I first learned about, like, how serious that was. Mm-hmm. When you were 15, did you appreciate Master P at any kind of extra level because he was also from the South, or did you not think about it like that?
0: I didn't think about any of that stuff. I was... The only rap music I was listening to was stuff that they played on the radio or or... or we didn't get MTV until like my junior year of high school. We didn't get cable until then, senior year. And Then I started listening to whatever they were playing on there. But I was not—I was not the kid who was like trying to find new music or whatever. Mm-hmm. The first time I—I I heard UGK was because one of my buddies brought a cassette tape over, and we listened to it. And I was like, "This is awful. I'm like, I don't want to <laughs> listen to this. Why are they so mad? I want to listen to whoop. There it is. Yeah, so let's play that instead." <laughs> Were you just old enough
1: that Space Jam was corny to you, or did you, were you about Space Jam? I was about Space Jam. It was super
0: cool. Okay. I was like, oh shit, I want to do that. I want to play basketball cartoons. Yeah. That was more my vibe than Master P. Basketball <laughs> cartoons.
1: <laughs> <laughs> do you also enjoy the Master P song, Players from the South?
0: Is that, is that yours? That's my front
1: one. Front row, front row, slow it down, ho. You know, players from the, from the sunset, sunset, geez.
0: Do you remember on Bourbons
1: and Lacks? Hit in a state tent the Texas. It's one of the few times that anyone's ever rhymed Texas with Lexus, and I didn't think it was totally corny. <laughs> 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 or like just like phoning it in.
0: Yeah, because he was trying. When he wrote Texas with Lexus, Like that was a hard rap for him to come that up with. That was really tough for me. Yeah, <laughs> <yeah. laughs> <laughs> it wasn't super sophisticated, but he was very visceral. Yeah. When I talk to my friends about
1: rap music in specific, I have some friends who like won't listen to, for example, like rap music in another language or rap music, even from England, just because to them it's like too different. Mm-hmm. And my take on it always is to me, the way someone says something is generally more important than what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And if I feel it, that's all that matters. Yeah. That's and all was, you look for. With Master P, like, you always felt it, like, you felt like he was spilling his heart out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's something I always appreciated about him. Yeah. Did you ever end up getting in, more into, like, as he built his empire, did you... Were you, like, a No Limit 504 Boys person? Like
0: I liked 504 Boys for a little bit. Okay. For, like, the Wobble Wobble era. No. Did you, do you remember that song, Tight Whips? No. Like, oh, yeah, tight. yeah, yeah, Never, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was that was around then. But no, I was not a big No, let me Tell me like
1: what you looked like. What was your uniform? What did Shay at 15 wear that made
0: him feel like this is me? Uh well, if I'm picturing 10th grade, mm-hmm. I was probably I think at the time jinkos were were popular. Mm-hmm. I might have been wearing jinkos. Jinko? Jinko? I never knew how to say it. Me either. I'm going to go Jinko. So I was probably wearing those those big old baggy pants and a shirt that probably had a zipper on it. The zippers were super popular at the time. Just zip, just zip it up. It's convenience. One of those two things. Yeah. I, was re- I really thought I was stylish at the time with the big old pants and that zipper shirt. Did and you probably do- like a choker necklace. I definitely had my hair dyed. I thought I was cool as shit. Did you do jean shorts? Yeah, Jinko. Those were specifically jean shorts? Both. Both. I had the Jinko pants, I had the Jinko shorts. What was crazy is they were never like official Jinkos because they're too expensive. Right. At the time, even at the time, they were like $50 for a pair of pants, which was absurd to me. Absurd to my parents who had to buy them. Still absurd to me. Right? Yeah. So... We would get them from the flea market. There was a flea market near our neighborhood, mm-hmm. and it was like you could tell they were just sort of making them somewhere. They were making them at home and then bringing them to sell them there. But I, that's what I was. That's what I was wearing. It's kind of brilliant. It's like when you're in
1: those kind of situations, figuring out a way to get what you need without having. You know what I mean? Like you have to yeah. have a certain level of ingenuity.
0: What's crazy though is everybody was doing it. Most everybody was doing it because we were again all from this sort of. Same circumstances, but there were a few kids who weren't. A few mm-hmm. kids who were a little more well off. I say well off. That means their parents were making forty thousand dollars a year yep. instead of thirty two. Yep. But they would have like the real ones, and they would always make fun of you because you could tell when they're they're the knockoff version. Right. None of the knockoff kids would make fun of the other knockoff kids, but the real kids would always make fun of the knockoff ones, and it was like a fucking fighting offense. Wow. Like. I I got a sweater one time that was from there it was a Jabot sweater yeah. and it was the only Jabot sweater I had. But it was like very clearly a flea market Jabot sweater and I was wearing it and a kid accused me of having bought it from the flea market, which I one hundred percent did. My mom bought it, we were at the flea market yeah. and I was like, I'll fucking kill you if you ever say that like I was really <laughs> upset and embarrassed about the about the situation. But you know. Ginkgo Wards. Jinko, Jabot <laughs> Those were the two. Jabot was really popular at the time as well, also expensive. I think after that, like, is when Tommy Hilfiger started getting getting popular, and then a rumor started spreading through the school that Tommy Hilfiger hated Mexicans, Mm -hmm. and it was like less popular to wear it, but also more popular because you were like, I don't even care, I'm above that, whatever, I'm so rich it doesn't matter. (laughs) But yeah, I remember getting made fun of for getting clothes from the flea market and being like very upset about it, like ready to fight.
1: I remember when Nelly came out with Air Force Ones, I had to go get a pair of Air Force Ones. Mm-hmm. And I was in New Orleans with my family, and someone was selling knockoff Air Force Ones. Mm-hmm. And they were cheaper. And to me, I, I didn't know that there was like real versus fake like thing. Yeah, They just looked enough like Air Force Ones. That mm-hmm. I was like, hey, mom and dad, can I get these? And they got them for me. And I showed up to school. It must have been spring break. I showed up to school. And I just totally got... They were like this ugly yellow color too. Mm-hmm. Don't know why I picked that color. And I just got like torn
0: apart. Yeah. Kids great. are rough, man. Yeah. Well, I remember one time I asked my grandma for to give me some Adidas with the stripes. Mm-hmm. Those ones that had gotten popular. Everybody's wearing them. Grandma, can you give me these shoes? And she came home one day and she's like, I got you those shoes. Here you go. And I opened the box and it had four stripes on them. <laughs> I was like, these are not. <laughs> she got them from Payless. She didn't even go to the flea market. But... I was like trying to wear them and put my pant leg over them. <laughs> over the fourth <laughs> over the fourth stripe. Like that's just the kind of shit you were doing at the time, man. These are bonus Adidas. They got one extra. That means they're cooler. Mm-hmm. They got one extra stripe. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> what were like some of the games that you and your friends would play after school around that age? What was like fun to get into?
0: The school where I went is called Southwest High School, and. This will sound weird, but like, within walking distance behind it was this thing called Rachel's Country Zoo, mm-hmm. and it was like, it was like a, a holdover from when this area was still unsettled, and there was like an old store there, okay. like an old hardware store or some shit like that, and this woman named Rachel just started her own zoo, totally just illegal. You could tell. (laughs) But she just had some cages, and you could walk through there. It was free, was the thing. That's why we would go there. But we would walk to Rachel's Country Zoo, and it was all like just regular animals in cage. Like, there's chickens. Here's a dog in a cage. (laughs) But she had a buffalo. I don't know where she fucking got a buffalo, but she had a buffalo. And it was a gigantic... I'd never seen a buffalo in real life, but it was this gigantic buffalo in a cage that was maybe two feet bigger than the buffalo so this poor guy was just stuck standing there all day with and you could like come up to it and that's how you know it was illegal because you could get like to touch a buffalo which is very dangerous yeah. turns out but you could get close enough to like see his one sad eye and he's just looking at you like just open the door so i could run away um but we would go to rachel's country zoo and that was a place where a lot of fights happened, so you nice. would sort of hang out there and wait to see somebody fight. There was a there was like a true value hardware store across from the old hardware store that had a pool table in the back, so people would go there. And then there was a, a taco place called Tinka Taco mm-hmm. that everybody would go to, and you would hang out, but you would go with like a group of five people, and only one person had money for food, so you just watched that one person eat a taco, <laughs> and. That's the sort of shit we were doing, and then they had the basketball courts on the other side, and we would go, go play basketball. But that's really, that's really it. We weren't. I, I was never a part of a group that was like doing bad shit. It was always, we're just gonna hang out and try to, we will gonna get into five percent trouble so we can talk about it later. But no real trouble. Gonna
1: have stories to tell. Yeah. Later. Something buffalo
0: stories. Fucking <laughs> that <laughs> buffalo. He lived a long time too. And then finally they, they shut the zoo down. I guess somebody told on Rachel, Yeah. and they shut it all down. There's no more- I don't know what happened to Buffalo. Wow. There was a rumor that they shut it down because he got out and killed somebody, but I don't think that that's true. I don't feel like that was definitely true. What
1: was the Buffalo's name? Did he have a name?
0: Not to my knowledge. I'm sure he had one. His name was Lonely. Lonely Lonely, Buffalo. Lonely the Buffalo. He was so sad looking. Just standing there. Poor guy. And we win all the time. What video games were you playing back then? Or arcade games? This was, again, late, I mean, 96 or so. So I was probably playing Mortal Kombat, NBA Jam, definitely. I might have at that time had a Sega CD mm-hmm. or something goofy like that. <laughs> so Dragon's Lair or Sewer Shark or some shit. That was it. I was never a big video game kid. Those mm-hmm. were the the main ones. Mortal Kombat, NBA Jam were my the ones that I was most interested in. Those are the ones I have now. Who's your fact, team on NBA Jam? The Spurs. I mean, oh, I should say who was who were your two? Uh, you can get you could get David Robinson and Sean Elliott, if I'm not mistaken. That's a, such a solid because right, you could shoot threes all day, and then you can just swap people. Yeah, and then if you did the, the cheat like the defensive cheat code, and there was no goaltending, nobody was scoring on you. Yeah, it was fantastic. Wow, that's amazing. When you mentioned, let's talk about a song that reminds you of a specific story, this was the very first song I thought of, even though, again, it's not that great. Okay. For me, I wouldn't rank it super, super high, and I wouldn't rank Masterpiece super, super high, but... Every time I hear that song, I think of this one specific story Mm -hmm. when, again, I was 15 and I was at this girl's house that I was trying to, like, get her to take her shirt off. That was my whole plan. I went to make out. But we were hanging out outside in the front yard, like this sort of thing. And uh, the area where she lived was worse than even where I lived. I lived in a bad part of San Antonio, at the time it was a neighborhood neighborhood called Valley High. Mm -hmm. And... She lived in this place called Indian Creek, which was way worse. It was it was just horrible. Like the one of the worst neighborhoods. But I was there hanging out and I only ever went over to go visit her during the day. Because at nighttime, like you don't wanna be Right. It was like, like Indian an, Creek at night. It was like an I am legend situation. Like you get out <laughs> before the sun goes down. Otherwise you're gonna probably die. Okay. So we were hanging out and she lived on a cul de sac and I was like, shooting basket, Like, I was, you know, trying to impress her with my basketball skills. Which never, ever... There's never, there's never been a girl who was like, he's so good at basketball, I need to make out with him right now. That's never happened. With maybe the exception of NBA players. But on yeah. my level, I've never three-point shot my way into a girl's heart.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but I was trying. I was giving it my all. And we were hanging out. And the guy that lived next to them... was this kid named Aurelio who he went to our school, sort of went there when he wanted to occasionally, but mostly he didn't. And he was a very like scary dude. He was super doing his whole gang thing. And he was just a guy like I knew who he was. I'd seen him a bunch of times. We were in school together and he kind of knew who I was. Maybe he knew I was afraid of him. So that was enough for him to like not murder me. He knew that you were afraid of him? Yeah. Okay. Like, it was that sort of relationship. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So, I was outside hanging out with this girl. He was in his house, and I can... He's playing this song, Mr. Ice Cream Man. He's playing it on a, on a loop over and over and over again. And I guess he had it on tape because it would play, and then there would be like a few seconds of silence Rewinding. for him to rewind it, and then it would play again. And, his, and the house... It's a beat up old house. The window closest to us had been busted out, so he's got plywood over it, mm. and he's got the the radio turned up so loud that it's like vibrating on. The, like that's part of what's going on. So I'm outside. The house is is rocking. It feels like it's swaying. That vibrating plywood is definitely happening. And over and over again, Mr. Ice Cream Mr. Ice Cream Man. And uh, after a while, you know, the girl and I had been outside for a bit, and he came outside to do whatever and i i remember him he had very strong eyebrows yeah i was like you got good eyebrows dude was he tall was he like intimidating no no mexicans are tall he was maybe five nine five ten but he had a a shaved head at the time when you're a mexican and you're growing up when you become a a older mexican man is when you shave all your hair off Mm -hmm. and like you shave your hair off and then you grow a mustache and the chin hair that's the look that you do he had that shit at like 15 he was really, <laughs> he was not playing around that's what I, remember. I remembered about him like oh yeah you you're the, you're the real thing
1: <laughs> wow what
0: an icon when i saw him i was like i was trying to impress her so i'm going to talk to the to the scary guy right and i'm like oh what's up raylio or whatever and he didn't he didn't say hello back to me he just sort of look at me or whatever Me and really are cool yeah yeah. and that's that was like that's our relationship right there and so i was trying to like make small talk with him you know you want you want to shoot around with me and he he didn't want to shoot around with me Mm -hmm. and i asked him about master p like oh you like master p sort of thing and he he didn't like become my friend right then but he was a little more interested and he's like oh you know about master p and I was like, yeah, yeah, that's Mr. Ice Cream Man. It's my favorite Masterpiece song or whatever. It was the only one I knew. Okay. The only one at the time. Master P has had several good songs. He's had Mr. Ice Cream Man. He's had uh, I Miss My Homies. You know this one? I you do know, know him this Okay, movie. that's like the funeral song it's that It's a you really play. sad song, dude. It's very sad. It's a very touching, like if you hear it at a funeral for one of your friends, it's it's a rap. You're going to just, you're going to cry for the whole time. Um, and make them say, oh, those are like his three. main For you. For me. Um, probably for everybody I would guess but Mr. Ice Cream Man was the only song I knew by name so I'm like oh yeah I know everything about Master P Mr. Ice Cream Man and he asked me right then like do you know what this song is about (laughs) which I thought was a weird question to like ask a person that's the first thing he ever (laughs) asked me and I never thought I never sat down and like Try to figure out what Mr. Ice Cream Man is about. It's not about ice cream, mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah. The video, though, is he's literally playing an ice cream man. He's, he's trying he's, to trick you. He's driving around the neighborhood. He's dressed in all white. He, like, hits a button on his car, and his car turns all white. <laughs> and then he's driving it around, and he opens the trunk like a freezer, and he's handing cups of ice cream to, to people. But, so the guy asked me what it's about. And in my head, I, like... Oh, well, it's not about ice cream. It re- you figure out real quick. Oh, yeah, he's talking about drugs. Obviously, he's talking about drugs. That's what Master P does. That's right. that was like the whole beginning of his his career was the drugs and the drug game and blah blah blah. So uh, I was like, oh yeah, it's about drugs. And he didn't say anything back to me, but he reached in his pocket. He was either, he was wearing dickies, I think, or basketball shorts with pockets in them. One of those two was the only two things he ever wore. And he pulled out a little bag. Like, he was just holding it up just like this in between his thumb and forefinger. Wow. And it was cocaine. It was like a little bag of cocaine. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what to do at this point. Because I'm still there holding a basketball trying to, like, impress this girl. And all of a sudden, this guy is just holding drugs at me. And I don't know, am I supposed to, like, do I ask him, is that cocaine? Or do I pretend like I know, like, do you say, oh, cocaine, cool. Nice. Or, yeah. Do I flick the bag? What do I, I don't know what to do. In that situation <laughs> so I didn't do anything I was just looking at him and then he put it back in his pocket and he went back in the house and that is this first thing I thought of when you said let's talk about a song that reminds you of a story I'll never forget him holding that bag of drugs in Indian Creek in that cul-de-sac holding it up just looking at me and me automatically knowing I have no idea how to handle the situation I have no idea like what to do about any of this i don't, it, it, I don't know it was a weird spot to be in when you're 15 years old yeah and also
1: completely not what you would have ever expected when you were trying to impress a girl
0: no i was not <laughs> going i didn't go to her house anticipating a man holding drugs in my face <laughs> i'd never ever seen cocaine before that was your first time it was the first time i've only ever seen it like twice in my whole life that, that was one time and then another time in a, at a parking in a parking lot at a club some girl was doing it in her car and I was like, I did the same thing then. I was like, oh, cocaine. She must like Master P. And then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then that, was, that was it. I was not expecting Aurelio really to do that. I was in L.A. The, this is the only time I've, I've seen cocaine twice
1: as well. But the funniest time was I was in L.A. at a club in the bathroom. And I was taking a piss. And the lock on the stall was broken. Mm-hmm. And midstream, <clears> this <throat> dude busted the door open. I don't think he knew I was in there. And so he was like, kind of like oh, whoa, my bad. This is Indian dude with a British accent. And I'm really bad at doing British accents. But he was like, bruv, would you mind if I did a bump in here? And I was like, <laughs> I'm peeing right now. I got
0: my like, dick out, bro.
1: Please get out of my stall. And he was like, oh, he made me feel weird for like not being okay with it. And mm-hmm. he was like, oh, well, can I borrow one of your keys to take a bump? And I was like, no, man, get the fuck out of my stall anyway so that's the second time i ever saw cocaine borrow one of your keys like i had my keys in my he's back pocket he's gonna put the drugs on yeah. the key
0: yeah not, you should have let him do it off your dick <laughs> you let him put it, the only way you're saying in this sprinkle it on here that's a story right there that would be i would change that i would lie for the rest of your life i would tell that version of the story so for you ice cream man was a fun song but for aurelio it was his life it was like a lifestyle for him. I don't know yeah. if he was dealing drugs or if he did cocaine or a combination of the two, yeah. but that's what he felt like showing me when I asked him about that song. I super was not ready. I never asked him about another song ever again. Yeah, no, yeah. It was the end of our relationship. And what happened with you and the girl? That didn't work out. Yeah. She wasn't super impressed. Yeah. She probably made out with Aurelio. If I if I was in her spot, I had to pick between those two people. I would have chosen him. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was more handsome anyway.
1: <laughs> and that album is really interesting cuz it's like features UGK and that's important because Master P and Pimpsey ended up having beef later mm-hmm. on. And the the allegations were like Master P like broke into a hotel room and like bashed Pimpsey's fa- Have you read this story? Mhm. crazy. Yeah. Absolutely he was going to kill him. He was going to kill him.
0: It's like some crazy shit like that.
1: That's like some like comic book like hero and villain shit Mm -hmm. did you have um ice cream man on cassette as well did you ever get that or no i
0: never that was the only time like if they played on the radio you would hear it i never just wanted to hear that song but i just recognized it so i was going to talk to a radio about it Mm -hmm. he was cool as shit man if you were going to get on cassette where would you have gotten it at that time i would have gotten it from the flea market or like, if you got it from the flea market, it was going to be somebody recorded it off the radio. Nice. Or there was a, a mall, this mall called Ingram Park Mall, that was, like, the height of fashion and sophistication for our side of town. Like if you got to Ingram Park Mall, like, that was it. But, in, like, Houston terms, it's Greenspoint Mall, okay. is, what, is what it was. But they had a one or two music stores in there. I don't know if you remember, they would have the thing where you they had headphones on the wall and you would... Yeah you could listen to a song, push a button. We I would try to steal it from there. That's where I would have gotten it otherwise.
1: Nice. <laughs> I'm just old enough to remember trying to make custom mixtapes for the girls I liked in mm-hmm. middle school by like ripping stuff from the radio like in my off my stereo.
0: Yeah, what was what was really a game changer for me was when my cousin showed me that there were two ways to make a, like take stuff off the radio. You could buy the blank tapes, which were like 4 or 5 bucks, or you could get a tape and they had the little ports in the top that if there was music on there already it was open mm-hmm. and it wouldn't let you record on them but if you took paper and wet it and mushed it down in there then you could record over over the thing that's brilliant so it's like we don't have to buy these tapes anymore so now we can make mixtapes because my parents were not going to pay for a blank tape they didn't understand i'm like dad can you buy me this i want to make it he like, there's no music on here and i'm not paying five dollars for this and then, oh boy, you mush the paper down in there and you can make the tape. If somebody's listening to this right now who never had to deal with cassette tape, they have no idea what anything I just said. Yeah. It did not mean anything. It's literally just gibberish. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. But I remember, it's really dope. For me, when I got to that age to maybe like eighteen is when I left San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Seventeen. Seventeen or eighteen I left San Antonio. And then I started like finding shit on my own. Mm-hmm. And when I came up here, when I came to Huntsville, which is like an hour north of Houston, they got you if you turn the radio on you can hear the you could hear the box. And Houston, or San Antonio at the time didn't have a radio station that played a lot of rap. They put like a, a version of rap, but not a lot of rap. And the box was like, at 8 in the morning, they were playing Juvenile. Like this sort of thing. <laughs> and it just blew my mind, That's right? That's how people wanted to start their day. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> and uh, so it was around then, 18, 19 years old, when I started to like, okay, let me try to find some cool music to listen to. And it, to me, I don't know if it was an actual thing or if I was just making it that way, but it seemed like... Okay, you're picking from one of these things. You're either going to listen to UGK, or you're going to listen to No Limit, or you're going to listen to the Hot Boys. It was one of those three things that you were picking from. And at the time, the Hot Boys were the most popular ones. They were just taking off. This was, again, '99, 2000 or so. So Master P was still pretty popular, but not as popular. UGK was sort of not in the picture at the time. Mm. They They were there for when you wanted to study the history of how we got to where we were. At the, like of the moment, it was Hot Boy so I was like, "Cool, I'm in on these." Like, I wanted to listen to B.G. and Lil Wayne and Turk and these guys. That's was that was like doing. your were the Hot Boys kind of like your the soundtrack to your college years? Mm-hmm. Early college, first two years of college or something. If I close my eyes and I picture going to the club in college, that's what's playing. Yeah, yeah, it was beautiful. It was perfect
1: club music. Yeah, that was, I can totally, I can totally picture that. So who, who would you go to the
0: club with when you're in college? Like, what was your club crew? It was the guys that we all stayed in the dorm together. Um, you know, there's like 10 or 12 of us that were just moving together who, it to me seemed like we all sort of grew up the same way. And it was a mix of like, I don't know, if there were 10 of us, I would say six of them were black guys. There was one white guy and like two or three Mexicans. And then that was our, our group that we would go. But you didn't go to the club and like all hang out, all ten of you. Yeah. You got to the club and everybody just sort of yeah. spread out. And good luck. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> like that was that was a situation. What were the clubs in Huntsville like? Terrible. They were really really bad, because Huntsville's a little tiny town. Yeah. And it's a college town, so the they were fun mostly. But there was one t- little club across the street from the school. It couldn't have been bigger than a, a house, like a two bedroom house. It's called Quarters. And uh, it was really super shitty. Mm. And you go to that one, because they played a lot of rap music. And then there was another club called the Jolly Fox, which was like, that's where the white people went. So they still played more more rap music, but also a bunch of other stuff. And then there was one that everybody just called it the Tin Can. I can't remember what the actual name of it was, but it was like a fucking old storage facility (laughs) that... That's where the black people had their parties. And if you went there, like that's what you were listening to. So it was like, you know, prison style. You're, we're, bro- we're all broken up by race here. But the, the clubs were not, they were super not good. When I came to Houston and I went to like a very fancy, just opened up nice club. It's like, holy shit, this is way different than what's going on <laughs> up there. Up there, you just walk into a, an empty room with no chairs and uh, one guy selling sodas out of a fucking ice chest. And there you go. There's your, your club. Would there ever be like, um, I remember the first time
1: I went to Carrington's in Houston. They were like, <laughs> if you can picture what are you that. doing at Carrington's? <laughs> I just thought it was so cool that there were pool tables everywhere. Yeah. Was there stuff like that in Huntsville or was at, it even lower than that? At
0: Quarters, they had pool tables. Okay. At Jolly Fox, they had pool tables. That's tin can nothing was literally nothing in there it was a tin can it was it was that's what it looked like that's why they call it a tin can it looked like if you cut a can in half mm. and you sort of laid it on its side it was like a you know a half circle just cross section yeah were you a pool shark i was pretty good okay that was the one thing i got good at hand eye coordination i'm cool with stuff that's like like football not good not as much not good If you hit me, I'm going to (laughs) quit. But with pool, you can't hit me. It's just like, oh, it's like angles and math and shit. I'll figure this out.
1: When I was in middle school, I played football, and I was a receiver. And I remember, well, in middle school, it's mainly just that you do like two passing plays a game. But Mm -hmm. I remember, like, for whatever reason, I was actually doing all right at being a receiver. My coach pulled me aside at practice one day. I was on the B team. It was A team, B team.
0: Good old B team, yeah, baby.
1: I was B team receiver, and my coach was like, "You know, Saman, like you've really been developing your skills. What do you think about like trying out one game, starting a receiver for A team?" And I just like, even though I had been in practice and done all the drills and stuff, it was my first time thinking about like people actually hitting me after I caught the ball, and I totally chickened out. I was like,
0: "I'm good. I'm just gonna ride it out." I'm just yeah. gonna- <laughs> I played one one football game in middle school. And they had me at receiver as well. It was like, that's where you put the small skinny kid. Yep. You can't do anything else. And we were in the huddle, and they they called a, a pass play. It was like a screen or some shit like this. Like, mm-hmm. just, I'm going to hike the ball, and you look at me, and I'm going to throw it to you, and you run. And they called the play, and then I was like, I have no idea what you just said <laughs> right now. Whatever the the play was called, like screen right or something. Yep. I said, I don't know what that means. And he goes, he the quarterback was a bigger kid. And uh, he just was like, I'm going to throw you the ball. And I said, don't do not do that. Definitely do not do that. And he said, I'm going to throw you the ball. Just catch it and run. And I'm like, I'm not going to catch it. And he, you know, on two, three. They, they take off. We run out to the thing. And I'm lined up in perfect like stance. And they hike the ball. And I look at him. And sure enough, he turns to me. And he throws the ball. And it's flying at me. And I just knock it down. <laughs> I didn't even try to catch it. I just knocked it down. I said, I'm not going to catch it. Don't throw it to me because I'll never catch it because I'm not about to get tackled. I'm out here to wear my uniform and that's it. That's all I'm here for. Yep,
1: yeah, great. That's great. That was also the time when I getting like frosted tips, like you're getting your hair highlighted with popular, I had that too. Yeah. yeah. And I, I decided I was going to do that. When I did it, it turned out orange. Mm-hmm. So, all my coaches called me Eminem, like some shit for the rest of the year. That away. I just got shamed off the football team, basically. <laughs> basketball was always way more my speed. Same football, I was like. Mm. In middle school, when I was on the basketball team, the way we used to troll the um, visiting teams when they would come in is we only had one scoreboard. So, for the two quarters that they were shooting away from the scoreboard, when there was like a minute left in the game, Let's say maybe there's like 45 seconds left, we would get the whole bleachers
0: to start counting down yeah. from 10. I think every, every middle school does that. You just start going, five, four. And the guy with the ball always panics and just chucks it up there. <laughs> every every school does that, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's pretty
1: great. I love how that's uh, universal. <laughs> hey, dude, thank you for being on the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, no
0: no sweat. That's a good hey dude. That's the sweetest hey dude I've ever had. Tossed to me. Thank you for telling us about young you. Yeah, no sweat. It means a lot. Appreciate it. Shout out to Master Pete. Shout out to Master P Mr. Ice Cream Man. And Aurelio. Iconic. Not that girl though. No, no.
1: But Aurelio if you're out there. Um, That'd be crazy
0: if he was listening to this. I wonder if he would remember that. He He definitely remembers the song for sure. He remembers the song. I wonder how many people he
1: showed drugs to while that song was playing. Mm -hmm. He probably thought he was in the music video. He might have. He's
0: really cool. Before you jump in the game, let's get one thing understood. If you're selling an ice cream, you got some make sure it's good. Mr. Ice Cream.
1: Wow, I'm so happy we got to meet teenage Shay. And I'm also so happy that Shay identified with the movie Space Jam the same way I did and continue to do. I also really, really related to the way Shay was into some of this music maybe you wouldn't expect a young teenager to be into, because at that same age, in my early teens, I felt like I was definitely into a lot of music that I couldn't get my friends into. And something else I really, really related to was the way the neighborhood that Shay grew up in kind of seemed like his own kingdom that he and his friends would bike around in. I had much the same experience. All my best friends growing up, we all lived in the same neighborhood. And when we got our bikes, it was over, it was a wrap. We used to bike around that neighborhood like we owned it, like we ran it. And there were definitely designated fight areas designated debauchery areas yeah there's a lot to relate to in Shay's story but I'm so thankful to him for opening up and talking about that time in his life what a hilarious image of this drug dealer flashing some coke at him and Shay being like I don't know do I flick the bag what do you do with a bag of coke (laughs) at that age goodness gracious Shay thank you so much Coming on the Nostalgia Mixtape talking to us about Master P. If you were liking the music in this episode, don't forget to head on over to the Nostalgia Mixtape. Check out the playlist, Shay's own personal Nostalgia Mixtape, and let us know on social media or on the website in the forums if there's some new songs you discovered that you really like or if you are into some of those same songs that Shay was into. Maybe you even have a story about one of them. Yeah, head on over to the Nostalgia Mixtape.com. Let us know. Please share this with your friends and family. Tag us, tag Shay. And if you're feeling extra charitable, throw us a few bucks, you know? It always helps. It helps to keep the lights on. Yeah, I'm your host, Saman Ashrawi. This podcast is produced by Jason Crow. Let's do it again. need a hot one, I got one, I take it and vent. Shake it down, break it down, with me and a friend. Bigget it bounce, slide, ride, with that cat to the right. Push it down, push it up, boom, your dynamite. Lick it up like ice cream, nigga, you know to make me bomb, pop, 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 Rocket bell, boy. Oh. See, I'm loving when we thugging, baby, just don't stop. You can wobbly wobble, you try to it like it's hot. Eat it up, need it up, love, that's your bitch, And if you ain't from the ghetto, then ride out, bitch legs, backs, and breasts You better read a fucking tatch, nigga, man, and prep. Suck it up and yuck it up, baby, work on that move. Got them niggas in the circle, holler, it'll be oh, oh, Back that ass up, lil went all the way to the zipper I really like your hot girl, but I got the clip I, I need a hot girl I want you want, boy. I want a hot
0: girl I, want you need,
1: boy.
0: I need a hot girl I want you want, boy. I want a hot girl Do your think Do your think Do your, tankers, be your that I need a high price of hope. I can shop. Get my whole 10 G's to spin. shit. In, see my high girl ride Lexus Coop, bitch. And she got the matching Rory Hope floss. your shit. And she got the matching mink for the winter, bitch. I oh, see a real high girl can't be faded, bitch. Roller dice hit the cell, no crap, bitch. She got the brand new Rover off the show real quick. Got oh, no. my TVs all through that shit. Yokohama 20 inch dubs on that bitch. I see my cash money high girl floss. No shit. Ride downtown, town, hot boys, you bitch, and that blue-faced Rolex, I boss that bitch, keep big head business all through her shit, fuck a thug girl, the most gonna suck my dick, I need a hot girl to represent this uptown shit, I need a hot girl, I want a high I want a hot girl, Violent hoe. If a bitch get out of line She a violent hoe. Ain't no pest Far from being a whining ho Fuck up she confess She ain't no mine ho That's what I need A hot girl Is a jazzy bitch I take her anything for a classy bitch. On a download for her nigga, she a nasty bitch. I tell her touch it, she gon' count and grab the dick. I bust her nutkin song, she get it back hard. The police kick in the door, she takes the charge. If a nigga go to jail, she run for a nigga. Money all the business and wrong, run for a nigga. She hear a nigga ballin' with his body for her nigga. Let me come through, hit the slash and rock about a nigga. I can't see no other bitch but the BG, but a high girl, for sure. Call her a HG, a high girl. I need a hot girl I want you all I want a hot Don't care me to stop, eat dicks, swallow the gum, and they know how to pop. I need a project, bitch, a hook rat, bitch. One that don't give a fuck and say she took that bitch. She a do with it? She go wobbly, then she know how to moan with it. Open her and squeeze a nigga like she want me in it. I turn around and back it up, then throw it at a nigga till I say who has enough. Give me a dang, the hoe. One that don't give a fuck and that'll shake the hoe. One that'll slank, steal, and keep it on the low, One that'll do time for me and slang that fucking coat. That's so all you know. I'm a little shorty and that's why they have it hurtin' and dumpin' They be like the same small girl, they workin' for something I'm the rain on fire, I smashin' the blue You're a hot girl, okay? What's you? I need a hot girl I want you want, for. I want a hot girl I need a hot girl I want, you want, for. I want a hot girl I want Definition of a motherfucking hot girl. You see what I'm saying? It's all crazy. If real If you bitches the description, then come on get with a I nigga. I nigga. Come on Why? get with a nigga. Uh-huh. If you fit the box, come on get with a nigga. nigga.